the depths, 30 stories high. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, thousands of fathoms beneath the sea, this is the Deep Dive Podcast. All ahead, one-third, up scope. Battle stations. Battle stations! Hello, divers! Welcome to a brand new episode of the Deep Dive Podcast, the only podcast guaranteed to not trigger an ASMR response. <laughs> I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wangshop Movie Magazine, now available on Amazon.com. And with me here in the bathosphere, as always, is the marvelous Manda. Roar! That was, that was uh, pretty impressive. Thank you. It yeah. was uh, Hello in Dinosaur. Oh, okay. What's Specifically the... Spinosaurus. Oh, a Spinosaurus? Uh, yeah, I was kind of wondering. Yeah. How do you say goodbye in Dinosaur? Um, roar! Oh, I totally get it. Yeah, um, it's like aloha. Yeah. Oh, aloha. Aloha. Because at night. Hello. <laughs> oh. So, all right. On that note, we've got something very special planned for you all this episode. But first, we would like to thank our listeners for supporting this little ill-advised venture of ours. Manda, is there anybody you'd like to say thanks to? Actually, yes. I'd love to say all a thank you to all of our Instagram followers. Um, all the love we get every week that we post, uh, you can find us at the Deep Dive Podcast. Thank you to all of our followers. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, thanks for putting up with us. Yeah, that's true. We are quite a burden. <laughs> so uh, for me personally, I'd like to take a special shout out uh, to some of you who have taken the time to provide some much appreciated feedback to us some of it we've actually listened to uh most of it we haven't though uh, special thanks go to danny roberts kevin nelson stephanie ferrand and finally good friend of the show paloma Colazzo, and everyone who listens to us in the operating room at the massachusetts eye and ear over in boston <laughs> yes i mean thinking about actual people operating on someone's eyes while listening to this podcast is probably the most frightening thing i've ever heard <laughs> um hashtag cannot be sued yes that's exactly right <laughs> yes we our legal people and things have told us this yes in confidence so it the is, legal people yes doctor lawyer patient confidentiality does yeah something like that executive privilege but basically if you go in for a quick operation to get your cataracts removed if you uh, can no longer see afterwards and they happen to be listening to us in the or it's not our fault. Yes, but on the bright side, you still get to hear us. <laughs> oh, I was terrible. Because right, it is eye and ear, so. Oh, yeah. You got a ear problem. You're, eh, yeah. sorry. Don't oh. like the sound of that. Oh. Bum, bum. <laughs> so, on a good note, we're offering part one of a special two-part episode, which we call Giant Monsters and Little Creatures. First, we're going big. Yep. with giant monsters. So what constitutes a giant monster, you may ask? I'll wait. Just like Dora the Explorer, I'm going to ask something and I'll wait. <laughs> Great. Backpack. Backpack. Swiper, no swiping. Uh, I made this chart, this really awesome chart, to demonstrate our sophisticated 
methodologies in determining the criteria for giant monsters. But then I realized this is an audio only podcast and I wasted several hours and many trips to Michael's Arts and Crafts, not to mention all the glitter. So much glitter. Did you at least use a coupon? They have tons of them on their website. Yeah. I love those coupons, right? They're so good. Like 20% off a giant frame. It's I know. fantastic. <laughs> this is not going well. If you ever want to uh, frame up your life, go to Michael's. That's right. Michael's, the place to go for arts and crafts, not a sponsor. <laughs> So to boil it all down, anything bigger than Bigfoot and smaller than Godzilla counts as mm -hmm. a giant monster. Yep. Mando, what have you got for us for your giant monster picks? I've got a good one. My first one, man, I really love this one. This one is 1955's brilliant black and white science fiction film called It Came From Beneath the Sea. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Directed by Robert Gordon, and it stars Kenneth Toby, which coincidentally is also in the Starman TV series, which I believe was one of your picks, or maybe might have been one of your picks Yeah, it was one episode? of my picks. I neglected to mention the TV series for obvious reasons. Yeah, it didn't do so well in no. my research. I think they did about three episodes, but I thought that was kind of funny and thought you'd be interested in knowing that. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, anyways, it is a black and white film. It tells a story of a gigantic octopus mm. who, after suffering displacement and um, homelessness from these hydrogen bomb testings near his part of the ocean. It's so sad. It is really sad, right? So what do you do? You wreak havoc upon the Pacific coast. I would. Yeah, obviously, mm -hmm. right? A tidal wave of terror engulfs the screen as a raging monster from the dawn of creation attacks the world of man. Here, gentlemen, is your villain. It would take an enormous number of those to disable a Navy submarine. Or just one of enormous size, Mr. Chase. The H-bomb blasted it loose from the depths of the Pacific. But not even the H-bomb can kill it. Also, guess what? Bonus, he's radioactive. Ooh, It's radioactive. an underwater Chernobyl. Wow. <laughs> Glows in the dark. Very nice. Yeah. I love things that glow in the dark. Yeah, I kind right? of do too. Yeah. I feel like, though, they're not safe. No, just ask Madame Curie. <laughs> Rest in peace. Did not, didn't end well for her. No, I didn't. No. Anyways, <laughs> this movie really kind of boils down to a team of sailors are performing uh, maneuvers, right, in the sea in their submarine. You have to learn how to drive it, so I suppose the best place to test that is in the ocean. Yeah, we know all about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's why my license was revoked. Oh, um, I didn't know and, about that. <laughs> and as always, something goes awry. Ooh. They're struck by what they initially think is uh, like a blast back of sonar. But when they come to the surface, there happens to be scientists and biologists there who discover, no, guess what? That was no sonar attack. That was an underwater creature. Here is some tissue from a gigantic octopus. Ooh, gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> Not yes. This is precursor to that. But I'm so fairly certain that Jaws, uh, while it is probably ranked as one of the top giant sea monster movies, had to pull something from this movie. Once you watch it, you'll just get that there are so many little uh, underhanded comments and like little picks that you're like, wait a minute, that feels like a Jaws-esque thing. But of course, it came out like 20 years before. Mm -hmm. But anyways, um, 
I won't spoil the movie for you, but you when you ha- when you come across a giant octopus, you really just can't let it rampage against the the city. You no, know, it's just rude. It's really rude, and plus, people pay for things. You know, there's insurance claims and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Farmers gets really upset when sea monsters come up and destroy your car. Really? You know, yeah, you know, yeah. We know a thing or two because we've seen a thing or two. <laughs> So, you know, they say, hey, it's a giant octopus. And the sailors are like, no way. That's hokum. Not, it's just, right? It's a good word, right? There's just no way. It doesn't exist. Um, But, you know, then funny things start happening. Swimmers and fishermen start going missing off the coast of France, Japan, Oregon. It's essentially alluding to the enormity of this thing, Mm. right? Because it can travel that fast. Because, of course, Japan and France, they aren't very close, and neither is sort of Oregon and France. So no, not it, really. Not really. <laughs> so basically, then the sailors and scientists have to come up uh, a way of just defeating this monster before it consumes San Francisco. Mm. Yeah. Uh, won't spoil the ending for you. It's a fantastic movie. It is in black and white, which I think some people are reticent to watch these movies because they think, oh, it's going to be boring. But in my opinion, it makes it way more interesting. Because yeah. you can't necessarily see everything. Your mind has to use a, a part of your imagination to uh, recreate the scene as you would see it in today's yeah. d- you know, day. Um, but the acting was superb. I thought it was great. Um, let's see. You can actually watch this on Amazon for two ninety nine, or you can watch it on Vudu for free with a subscription. Mm, yeah. Nice. IMDb gives it a 6 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 63. So it's not the highest, of course, but, but it's, still, it's, pretty good. it's still pretty up yeah. there. Yeah. I'm giving it a 7, I think. Nice. 7 out of 10. Yeah. I like the classic horror about yeah. it. You know, I like black and white films, but I think they also lend to the fear aspect a little bit more so than, say, uh, something you can just see. In, in regular color because yeah. you know um, it also seems to be like the, the stop motion in this movie which mm-hmm. of course the giant sea monster since there aren't necessarily many specimens um, of this monster uh, had to be on par and I think that for a 1950s film it was really great um, cool. yeah I thought it was a fantastic movie I really enjoyed it nice. um, did you know that the kraken is a gigantic octopus uh, I'm sorry, a Kraken my what now? Kraken. It's oh. a Scandinavian folklore, but basically it's a giant octopus that lives in the ocean and swallows ships. And you release it. And you release the Kraken. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so I think I mentioned, too, that there's no like actual biological evidence that this actually exists. Now, there are giant or large octopi swimming around in the ocean, but we're talking about something that's as big as a as a submarine, or even larger in this case, you know? Um, there was something that kind of like it it piqued my interest when i was doing a little bit of research is that in the 1800s down in florida a (laughs) a deceased mammal from the ocean or a sea ocean creature uh washed up on shore and they attributed this to a gigantic octopus which they then named the floridian creature or creature from florida something of that Mm, nature sharktopus (laughs) is there actually a movie called sharktopus yes Wow. Is it like before or after Sharknado 10? Um, I don't know if that matters. <laughs> Listen, there's a timeline, man. Yeah. Um, anyways, it, it's... I don't know. I think it's really great because I love these stories about um, giant monsters that aren't necessarily believable but there's a couple of strings that lead you into thinking wow this could be real and that's i think where the fear comes in too because we do have octopi 
it, those exist. Mm. Why not have a giant form of one? Yeah. You know? I would love eight pies. <laughs> Wait, that's... Okay. No, not exactly. Right, fine. Yeah, but mm. I'm reminded of our Thanksgiving episode where I admitted the small truth of never having had a pie outside of the McDonald's apple pie. I got a lot of critical feedback from that episode. Yeah, most of it from me. Yeah. Just want to say I have remedied that. Oh, really? Yeah. I yeah, I this. did. And um, I went to the grocery store in the frozen section oh. and I got a pie. Okay. Why the frozen section? Well, because that's where pies are, right? Well, I mean, the, the, this grocery store did not have a bakery. Oh, I didn't check there. See, that's, you got to check. <sighs> All right. Missed opportunity. Next time. Next time. <laughs> so that's my first pick. Very nice. Yeah, I enjoyed I like it. That. And that, that actually was something you mentioned earlier kind of brings up one of my major pet peeves about moviegoers. People that, number one, don't like black and white movies mm. for no good reason because mm. they're black and white and they think they're old or like, you know, like you said, boring. First of all, that's not true. If you ever watch Psycho, not boring. Schindler's List. Yes, yeah. exactly. So there's some really, really amazing black and white movies out there. The other thing that bothers me is people that don't read subtitles or hate oh. foreign films because of subtitles. You know what? Suck it up. Read it. <laughs> every movie that I have watched with a, with subtitles, every time I remember that movie, I remember them speaking in English. I don't remember the subtitles. Right. I just remember the actors and the story. So suck it up. Watch, watch it. Read the subtitles. You'll be better off. So there you go. End of rant. And we've just lost seven listeners. Well, those seven Sorry, I Mom. didn't want. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, well. So now I'm going to deliver my first pick. Ooh. And I think this is a very interesting film for ver for several reasons that we'll go into. And my pick is called Pulgasari. Now, no, that's not a pasta dish from Olive Garden. <laughs> this is a kaiju movie. It was made in 19... 19- 85. Now, if you're not familiar with the term, kaiju refers to a Japanese film genre that features giant monsters pretty much destroying cities and the like. Uh, Godzilla, of course, being the prime Godzilla. example. Gojira. <laughs> and uh, like recently, movies like Pacific Rim. So this film, however, is not from Japan. Hmm. It is from Korea. Now, that in itself is not so terribly unique, except that this film was made in North Korea. Uh-oh. Yes, that's right. Everyone's favorite human rights violating unitary one-party republic. So, <laughs> Pulgasari, or Bulgasari, if you're using the revised romanization preferred by the South Korean Ministry of Culture and Tourism, which I do not. What? I've got a feud with them. I'm sorry. I don't want to go into it. It's very painful. Yeah. Anywho... Pulgasari is not so much interesting because of the film itself, but for how it got made in the first place. But we'll get to that. Uh, Pulgasari takes place in feudal Korea centuries ago, mm. where a despotic king rules supreme while the people starve. Does that sound familiar? Mm. They take a look at North Korea now. <laughs> uh, amidst all the squalor, a blacksmith fashions this creepy little monster doll for his kid. And begs the gods to give it life so it can protect the oppressed people. Now I know what you're thinking, and you're absolutely right. The monster doll comes to life, grows to enormous size after eating a bunch of metal. Yep. The last part was not necessary. Wears chunky heels and too much makeup. Oh, I hate that. So tacky. <laughs> Sorry, Brad Stalls. Oh, man. Now, so this monster is named Pulgasari, obviously, and it forms a deep bond with the blacksmith's daughter. And together, 
With an army of local peasants, they defeat the evil king. Or do they? What? You'll have to see this for yourself, but just let me say that the monster you create, sometimes you can't control. <laughs> you know what? It's a, it's a caution. It's a caution. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Polgasari is actually available, not on the usual uh, Net- Netflix, Vudu, uh, Amazon Prime, but is actually available for free on YouTube as of this recording. Oh. So, if you're interested in checking it out, that's where you can find it. Now, Paul Gasari does actually have an internet movie database record, uh, score, which is 5.2, uh, with 792 reviews, which surprised me when I saw that. I thought That's it would quite be a lot. a lot less. Yeah, for a movie that obscure. But the good part, the story of the making of Paul Gasari is so much more interesting than the movie. Now, Amanda, I know you love history, mm-hmm. so we're gonna, you'll get a kick out of this one. <laughs> so then, as now, North Korea was ruled by members of one family. Uh, when the film was made, the ruler of North Korea was Kim Il Sung. His son was Kim Jong Il, future supreme leader, and the father of the current supreme leader, Kim Jong Un. So we're talking three generations here. Okay. So the middle generation, Kim Jong Il, was a huge movie buff. He would have films smuggled in from other countries. He built himself a huge theater had a voracious appetite for films, especially kaiju films. Now, of course, as any film buff has aspirations to, he wanted to make movies. Mm. But North Korea had no film industry to speak of. So what's the son of a supreme leader to do? Well, you resort to kidnapping. What? That's right. (laughs) Kim Jong-il had the wife of South Korean movie director Shin Sang-uk abducted in Hong Kong. He was going to use her as bait to lure her husband to North Korea. And it worked. While searching for his wife in Hong Kong, Shin was also taken. When in North Korea, he was coerced by Kim Jong-il to direct several films for him, <laughs> including Paul Gasari. Luckily, this has a happy ending because eventually Shin and his wife managed to escape North Korea unharmed in 1986. Now, the whole story of this abduction and their escape is is pretty incredible. And there's a lot more to this story. In fact, there is a documentary available right now on Netflix called The Lovers and the Despot, which tells the entire story of this couple's time as North Korean captives. And I highly recommend this documentary. It's fascinating. If you love movies or if you love like true stories about people that have gone through hardships and been, you know, and and been forced to, uh, you know, forced to do things against their will. It's it's so interesting. And how they escaped from North Korea is an incredible, incredible story. So I highly recommend both of these. Polgasari, of course, for its sort of, you know, its weird place in film history. (laughs) But then the documentary as a way to get context for how this film was made and just how amazing it was that this whole thing happened to this poor couple. Wow. So that's that's my first pick. Very exciting stuff. I think I think if you check it out, you'll be very interested. You'll like it. You know, as a dictator myself, if mm. I were to kidnap somebody, the first thought is uh, that comes to my mind is definitely not a movie director. You know, you know, engineer, biochemical sure. scientist. All, a, a movie director. 
Yeah, a movie director. What do you What do you think? I mean, so it's funny because it's like, Daddy, Daddy, <laughs> I want to make movies. Can you kidnap a director for me? <laughs> okay, son. <laughs> you know, oh, it's, just, it's just how it seems. That's just so bizarre. It is. It is really bizarre, but it's entirely true. It's a true story. Yeah, so that's incredible. Mm-hmm. I think I'm actually really interested in watching the uh, documentary on Netflix. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, there you well, go. okay. I am, uh, I got a second pick, which okay. is, I got to be honest, it's a little bit uh, happier. Uh, Sansa Kidnapping. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It is a uh, family friendly flick. Nice. It's a, a triple F. Triple F. Triple F. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's one of those ratings that you should not be afraid of. Not like Triple X. Nope. Mm-mm, that movie okay. was horrible. Vin Diesel. I mean, I'm sorry. But... Wait. What are we talking about? Okay. Oh, never mind. mind. Uh, anyways, my pick is 2007's The Water Horse. The Water Hose? <laughs> the Water Horse. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's like a seahorse. <laughs> No? No. The kind that Aquaman rides? (laughs) Um, Actually, have you seen the new Aquaman film? Yes, I have. Okay. It's all wet. Okay. Can we just talk about the fact that there are dinosaurs in the Earth's core and that he is like one of the the people is is riding on a megalodon? Just uh, honestly, for the creatures alone, that movie was fantastic. I don't know about the acting. I love Jason Momoa, but I mean. He's a giant monster, too, I would, in the movie, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, anyways, we're not reviewing um, modern day DC or Marvel stuff. We're not allowed to do that in this podcast. No, not, not no. on this one. So, not on this one. Anyways, back to my second choice, The Water Horse, 2007, directed by Jay Russell. It stars Emily Watson, who you may know from Angela's Ashes, uh, and David Morrissey, who is the governor from yes. The Walking Dead. Oh, uh, he was so such a nice man. And such a kind, caring uh, character. Oh. Um, no, that Until is not the wasn't. case. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, the movie is based on the novel by Ronald King of the same name. And a quick breakdown here. 1940 Scotland. It is pre-World War II, but of course things are stirring up. Um, there's a young boy named Angus, and he's in between that, that time period of a young kid and sort of pre-teen, right? Oh, what a lovely time of life that is. Yeah. Not- I imagine that I was a complete saint. Just knowing me, sure. I'm fairly certain that I was a really oh, great yeah. kid. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and he's he's one of those kids, he's sort of struggling with his emotions, but he's also struggling with the fact that his dad's gone missing. His dad's a sailor, and he's very unlikely to come home. So, of course, he acts out. He tells fantastical stories. He rebels against his mom, and, you know, it, it's, it's not looking like a good scene for him. Mm-hmm. So he walks along the shore, and one day he happens to discover what he thinks is a glowing rock. It's a pearlescent, just oddly shaped thing that he thinks, you know what, that's out of place. I'm just going to take it home and put it in my shed. Sure, why not? As you do. Yeah. Right? But most things that look like eggs typically end up hatching, and this mm. one does. And out comes a creature, the water horse, who he affectionately names Crusoe. On this ordinary day, something extraordinary is about to happen. Keep a secret. I'll not believe the word. What is it? Looks like a water horse. They're not supposed to be real. His name's Crusoe. He's very friendly. Based on the novel by the author of Babe. The water horse is said to be the rarest of all creatures. There can be only one in the world at a time. 
Now, Crusoe is basically a cross between a Brachiosaurus and a Platypus and a Lapras, which is a Pokemon if you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Pokemon. Can you can you envision it? Yeah. I can no. No, no not at all. Just, okay. No. Well, I think that just means that it's fantastic. Oh, so, yeah. anyways, Crusoe isn't uh, a small creature. Maybe when he hatched he was, but he seems to grow bigger and bigger and uh, pretty quickly. Um, so I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I used to take animals and try and hide them in my bathroom, like snakes and frogs. Oh. Yeah, because I love animals and I wanted to have pets until my parents got really upset and said I couldn't have frogs anymore because one of them spawned and we had baby frogs everywhere. It was really cool. Wow. Anyways, Angus has to just, you know, he has to do something with Crusoe, which by the way, I think he named him after Robinson Crusoe. I would, I would imagine so. That's a safe assumption. I think. Yeah. But that's pretty cute, right? Yeah. yeah. Sure. Family friendly yeah. flick. Um, so Crusoe grows to a Normandy very quickly. He can no longer hide him in the shed and he starts telling, he starts telling people, Angus is, um, about him. Right. And his mom just thinks, no, you know, you're raving. I know that you're upset about your dad, you know, stop rebelling, stop being a bad kid. And until eventually, you know, it comes to the truth that, hey, Crusoe's real. So I don't want to spoil the ending for you, but um, it's a really cute flick. It it also has this really cool connection to the Loch Ness Monster. Okay. In that, in the film, a picture is taken by, of Crusoe. And it happens to be that very famous picture of Loch Ness Monster. Oh, the the really black and white one. one. Exactly. Yeah. So the idea here is that Crusoe is the creature of the deep, the loch, uh, which is a lake, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the lake is called means, Ness. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's the whole idea is that this picture, then, of course, it it spans time right because every kid who's in school now learns about the loch ness monster and or yeah nessie as she's affectionately called right um and at some point has to has to sit there and think is this real so this this film actually really blends very very easily into very seamlessly into um modern day folklore Right. It's just a really cute film. Um, but I think it also lends a credibility to it, um, even though there isn't necessarily much evidence to support this uh, supposed creature, which, again, has no biological grounding. Um, it It's a really great family film that uh, you can spend a couple of hours into and not realize it. So, wow. yeah, I think Sounds it's good. really great. Yeah. Um, IMDb gives a 6.5, so it's not the highest, but Metacritic gives it a 71, so it's a little that's bit higher bad. up there. Yeah, and Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 74. Oh, that's actually pretty yeah, good. Yeah, not bad. I'm giving it an 8.5 out of 10. Um, I love the story. I love the relationship that um, Crusoe has with Angus. Um, I love the – I just love the tales of the Loch Ness Monster. I mean, what person doesn't love monster tales, yeah. right? Bigfoot, Loch Ness Monster, the Yetis, all that fun stuff. Folklore. Folklore, exactly. Um, you can watch it right now free on Netflix if you have a subscription. Mm-hmm. You can also watch it on Hoopla, which I just discovered. This really cool app. Um, like, you know, what's the Hoopla? Yeah. 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 Knee yeah. Deep in the Hoopla. So Oh, is that a thing? It's a song. Oh. That's actually an album, I think. From when? Like the nineteen eighties? Yeah, it's from the band Starship. 
Oh, they yeah. do that one song. We built it? the city. Yes. Worst song ever. How could you say that? The Muppets made it great in their movie. Well, the Muppets can make anything great. That's true. As far as I'm concerned. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Anyways, you can watch it free on Hoopla or Netflix. Or if you are so inclined, you can purchase it on YouTube and Google Play for $12.99. You can also watch it just a little bit cheaper on the PlayStation Store. So if you have a PlayStation console, you can get it for $2.99 rental or $9.99 purchase. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty cool. I like that. Right? Yeah, I thought it was great. Also, there is like a funny thing. The the people who really believe in Nessie think that it could certainly be like uh its own creature, but it is likely to be like a giant eel or a gigantic catfish, or I've even heard Greenland shark. Okay. Which All is right. pretty cool, right? But they don't think it's an actual monster. I don't think so. And I think that that's a really not fair title because when has Nessie ever hurt anybody? Well, you'd have to exist to hurt somebody, wouldn't you? Really? Yeah. Is that a thing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Anyways, that's my second pick. I really love that film. Cool. Yeah. All right, my second pick. Mm. I'm going. I'm going a little more, you know, lighthearted. I would say with this one, <laughs> there's no kidnapping involved. Mm. I mean, there's fictional kidnapping, but not actual kidnapping so that of course is lighthearted. yep yes For much you. more much more so to me anyway <laughs> my next pick is called the mighty peking man uh this is a 1977 film made in hong kong it was released in america as goliathon dare to enter the world of goliathon action Excitement, spectacle beyond your wildest dreams. Goliathon is coming. Rated PG from World Northall Corporation. What? I love that name. Goliath. That's a better name. It's actually like a telethon for Goliaths. Oh. Goliathon. No, I just like saying those things. Goliathon. Yes. See? See, doesn't that sound it's good? It's fun. It's fun. It's like say. saying Diplodocus. Diplodocus. Yeah. I had a Diplodocus earlier. They had to get it removed. Um, <laughs> all right. In 1976, the bicentennial of America, mm. a remake of King Kong was unleashed upon an unsuspecting populace. This was starring Jeff Bridges and Jessica Lange. And it was uh, kind of a, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say campy. Because uh, it wasn't really campy, but it had its moments because you had uh, you went between a man in suit uh, and these animatronic giant hands and animatronic giant monkey heads and things like that. And uh, so it, it was an interesting, interesting movie. But that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> it actually did pretty well. That King Kong remake the, in 76 did pretty well at the box office. And as everyone knows, in Hollywood, nothing su succeeds like success. So just like Jaws spawned an aquarium full of knockoffs <laughs> the year before, including an octopus movie called Tentacles, which that's another show. Um, King Kong's success prompted a few knockoffs of its own, including The Mighty Peking Man. So as I said, this was a Hong Kong movie. Uh, the, the title character, the Mighty Peking Man. I'm going to say it like that every also time. Also known as Goliathon. Goliathon. <laughs> uh, is pretty much just a yeti uh, that lives in the Himalayan mountains uh, on the, on the um, Indian side. But he's not alone. Oh, no. Not alone at all. He has a companion. 
Samantha, who is a gorgeous blonde female Tarzan who talks to animals and swings from vines, you know, like a Tarzan would. Uh, she also wears some very strategically placed animal skins, if you know what I mean. <laughs> now, I, those animals must have said something really nasty to her to deserve that fate because she could talk to animals, but she's wearing the skins. So mm. they must have done something to really make her angry. But explorers from Hong Kong discover this yeti, the mighty Peking man. Also known as Goliathon. That's right. Goliathon. And, they did, and with his companion, they bring them back to Hong Kong to put them on display because that always works. Mm. Look, the giant yeti. Oh, look, he's straining at his chains. Oh, look, he's breaking free from the chains. Oh, look, everybody run for your lives. <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty much how that works out. Humans are horrible. I know. Ugh, I don't like them. Uh, and also, like in the King Kong type of, of story, uh, our Yeti friend climbs a tall building, is attacked by helicopters, yada, yada, yada. And it's pretty standard fare from there. Uh, like the original King Kong as well, there is a little bit of a downbeat ending. But overall, this is this movie is so goofy and fun and silly to watch. Uh, it's just the acting is terrible. You've got this really tall, statu statuesque, blonde, uh, <laughs> Caucasian woman running around in a loincloth uh, where the rest of the cast is, you know, from Hong Kong. Uh, so she sticks out like a sore thumb. And the acting, like, is, is wooden enough to give you splinters. <laughs> uh, it's not, you know, it, it's not fine filmmaking. Let's just say that. Right. There are better ways to waste 90 minutes of your life. But if you're just looking to put your brain in neutral... Get some popcorn. Just sit and let your brain go. This is a whole lot of fun. So, the mighty Peking man, also known as Goliath, Goliathon, <laughs> gets a rating of five point three on the Internet Movie Database Ooh. and a fifty-five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's available on Amazon Prime Video with a subscription, of course. I got a few other picks that I'd like to mention. Sure. Uh, Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman. It's a <laughs> once again, it's a it's a nineteen fifties kind of mo giant monster movie. Uh -huh. uh, Reign of Fire, which is that um, Matthew McConaughey giant dragons. Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah, but it's, it's a two thousand two movie. It's really good. Uh, and of course, Tremors. Oh, Tremors! Tremors is such a fun movie. Wait, but they're not that big, are they? They are pretty big. They're like they're giant worms, like sandworms. Right. But they're like you know they're smaller. Then uh, they're smaller than the worms in Dune, but bigger than I think the worms in Beetlejuice. Okay, okay, I was gonna say bigger than a VW bus for sure. Yes, okay, definitely, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's an interesting, com you know, comparison. <laughs> but okay, we'll go with it. So all of these mentions are available to rent on most streaming services. All right, that was pretty good. good. Pretty good part one, I think. Part one, it's part done. one. Now on the next dive, we're gonna take it down a few notches. As we talk about our favorite little creature features, will there be gremlins, Ooh. ghoulies, Ooh. critters, <gasps> leprechauns, Ooh. Billy Barty? What? That, never mind. It's a reference for old people. <laughs> You'll have to listen to find out. So we're going to wrap this up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's do it. Three, Three two, one. one. <laughs> well, let's get out of here. What? Oh.
special thanks to Spirits of the Symphonic and Echocraft for our amazing theme music. Links to both artists can be found on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.podbean.com. If you like us, you can subscribe on iTunes, Podbean, Overcast, or wherever fine podcasts are found. The Deep Dive Podcast is a production of Automaton Media.